Armed Events from the Housetops, coming up next. We continue now our quest for happiness. We have seen the importance of faith as a guide to our goal. We have seen also that faith means firm and unquestioning belief in all that God has revealed. Since, however, God does not tell us personally what to believe, the question arises, how shall we know what God has revealed? How do we find out what we have to believe in order to reach the glory of heaven? The short answer is, the Catholic Church makes known to us what God has revealed. She tells us what we must believe. The Church is our rule of faith. The proof of this is based on the words of Christ who commanded the heads of his church to spread the faith, saying, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even unto the consummation of the world. St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. In another place, Christ told the heads of his church, He who hears you hears me, and he who rejects you rejects me. St. Luke, chapter 10, verse 16. The voice of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church then is the sure source of knowledge of what we must know, believe, and do in order to possess God. The church teaches us through the duly authorized representatives of Christ in his church on earth, our pastors, our priests, bishops, and our Holy Father, the Pope in Rome. The true church bases its teaching on the deposit of faith, which contains all the truths revealed by God to men. This deposit of faith is contained in the two sources of divine revelation, Holy Scripture and tradition. What do we mean by revelation? Before we examine these two sources of the deposit of faith, we must understand what is meant by revelation. Literally, the word revelation means drawing back the veil. There are some truths which are, as it were, hidden behind a veil, which reason cannot pierce, but which can be known when God draws back the veil and discloses them to our minds. Revelation, then, may be defined as the communication of truths by God to man through supernatural means. God did not disclose the truths of revelation to man all at once, but only gradually with the passing of time. The public revelation of those truths which God communicated to the human race began with Adam and Eve and ended with the death of the last apostle, St. John. Other private revelations may have occurred after that, but they do not belong to the deposit of faith. The part of divine revelation contained in the Old Testament is called pre-Christian revelation. It had three stages. Primitive revelation made to Adam and Eve, patriarchal revelation made to the patriarchs, such as Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and mosaic revelation made to Moses and the prophets. The second and more important phase of revelation is the Christian revelation. It contains the truths revealed to us by Jesus Christ, either directly or through his apostles and his church. It includes the most profound and the most important mysteries of our faith, among others, the unity and trinity of God, the fact that God united a human nature to his divine nature in the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, the redemption of the fallen human race by the sacrificial death of the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Catholic Church as the one true church, 
the Holy Eucharist and the other sacraments as means of grace and the fact that Mary is truly the mother of God. The truths which God has revealed to the human race and which form the content of revelation are of three kinds. First, there are mysteries of faith which we could never have known unless God had revealed them. Such, for example, are the mysteries of the Blessed Trinity and the Incarnation. Then there are natural truths, which we might have discovered without revelation, but which are grasped with greater ease and certainty once God has revealed them. The immortality of the soul is an example. Thirdly, there are moral laws, such as the Ten Commandments revealed on Mount Sinai, and certain precepts given to us by our Divine Lord. The first source for knowing what God has revealed is the Holy Bible, also referred to as Holy Writ and Sacred Scripture. What is the Bible? The Bible is a collection of sacred books of which God is the principal author. These books were written by men inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit, and they contain much of what God has revealed to the human race. The Bible is called holy or sacred to indicate its divine authorship, the nature of the truths it contains, and the purpose for which it was written, the salvation of mankind. The terms scripture or writ which are sometimes used, mean writings. The familiar word Bible comes from the Greek word biblion, meaning book. In the Bible, there are in all 72 books, 45 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New. These particular 72 books are recognized by the church as inspired, and therefore they form the official list known as the canon, rule or standard of the Bible. These books of the Bible were composed over a period of about 1,500 years by some 50 different men, beginning with Moses, who wrote the first five, which are called the Pentateuch, and ending with St. John, who wrote the last, the Apocalypse. Yet, because the Bible was written under the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit, it has God as its author. In order to understand this, we must know what is meant by inspiration. By inspiration, we mean that God moved and directed chosen men to write. He then aided them in the actual work in such a way that they wrote all that he wished to be written and only what he wished to be written. In other words, the human authors of the Bible acted under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a manner that God is really the author. Therefore, although different men at different times have written the books of the Bible, and although these vary in purpose, style, and content, the collection is truly one book, having a primary author, God himself, and one common theme, Jesus Christ, the promised Redeemer. From this fact that the Holy Scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit, it follows that they cannot contain any falsehood or error. Sacred writ is the word of God, and God can neither deceive nor be deceived. The Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New. The Old Testament was written between the years 1400 B.C. and about 100 B.C., and almost entirely in the Hebrew language. The books of the Old Testament tell the story of creation, the fall of man, the Hebrew people, and the preparation of the world for the coming of the Redeemer, who, as had been promised, would restore the human race to friendship with God. The New Testament was written by the apostles and evangelists between the years 45 A.D. and 98 A.D. The books of the New Testament deal with the life, passion, and death of Christ our Redeemer, with his doctrines and the church which he established. 
According to subject matter, the books of the Bible may be classed as historical, doctrinal, or prophetical. Those books which primarily relate facts and events are historical. Those which primarily teach doctrine or give directions for leading a holy life are doctrinal. And those which primarily bear messages from God and foretell future events are prophetical books. The preservation of the sacred scriptures throughout the ages is something for which the entire world is indebted to the guardianship and labors of the Catholic Church. The original manuscripts of the Bible are lost. This is due to the fact that many were written on papyrus, Egyptian paper made from reeds, which is perishable. We have correct copies of the originals, some made in the 4th and 5th centuries, when sheep or calf skin, parchment or vellum, were used to write on because they were more lasting. The earliest manuscripts of the sacred scriptures, down to about the 5th century, were for the most part rolled in scrolls. Down until about the 15th century, the huge volume of the Bible was copied by hand again and again by monks and nuns in monasteries. It often took the lifetime of more than one copyist to complete a book. These copies, called manuscripts or codices, were bound in the book form with which we are familiar. The letters, often an inch high, were drawn on parchment or vellum, and frequently the initials and borders were beautifully decorated, illuminated, in glowing colors and gold. The invention of paper and printing about the year 1450 brought about a revolution in bookmaking. The first complete book to come off Gutenberg's press was the Catholic Bible, one of the few perfect copies of which is now preserved in the Library of Congress. After the invention of the printing press, the Bible was quickly spread and translations of the Catholic Bible were made in the languages of Europe, Asia, and Africa. There are numerous translations of the Bible into many languages. Among important ones we should know are the Septuagint, a translation of the Old Testament into Greek. It was made by Jewish scholars in Alexandria, Egypt, between 250 and 100 B.C. The Vulgate, the Latin translation of the entire Bible made by St. Jerome in the 4th century. It was approved as the official text of the Catholic Church by the Council of Trent in the 16th century. The Douay Reims, translated from the Latin Vulgate by exiled English scholars living in Reims and at Douay in France during the Protestant persecutions in England during the late 16th and early 17th centuries. Bishop Chaloner's revised edition of this has been the standard Catholic Bible in English since 1750. The King James Version, an English Protestant translation of 1611, which has gone through numerous revisions and contains numerous errors. Its use is forbidden by the Church because it is dangerous to faith. It should be remembered that of all English translations of the Bible, only the Douay Reims remains the most accurate translation of St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate. Other English editions, such as the New American Bible and the Standard Revised Catholic Versions, depart from the Douay Reims and the original Vulgate of St. Jerome. The New English translations, therefore, open the way to questionable accuracy. They, in fact, rely on translations of text considered untrustworthy by the original translators of the Douay Reims Bible. Such a beautiful time of the year is Christmas. We'd like to thank all our volunteers and supporters who have kept WQPH on the air. Recently, we've had a new member join our Eternal Life Radio Guild. We want to thank Pauline, 
of Shirley for joining our guild and keeping this station coming on loud and strong. May everyone be blessed who listens and prays and believes in our beautiful Catholic faith. Merry Christmas. The First Noel from St. Joseph's Choir in Medford, Massachusetts. the WQPH community calendar. In 2023, we're expecting to have tour two of the Holy Face Relic with Vicki Schreiner. As you know, she came here last year. We had five really major miracles happen. She's hoping to come in Lent. So if you want to be on the committee or maybe have her come to your church, we'd like to send her to different churches this time. Call us at 978 978- Three four three oh eight nine three, and say, I'd like to have Vicky come to our parish, but I'm going to ask my priest first if he'd like us to come. Also, we have coming up in Lent, 40 hours, which is 40 continuous hours of Eucharistic adoration. We also have a pilgrimage this year, 2023, going to Canton, Ohio. That is the shrine of Rhoda Wise and Mother Angelica. And we ask you, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? We'd like to do some day trips to Little Rose Farron. So we'll have a bus hired at a very modest price, and we can be going there and then stopping for lunch. I know some of you have some great ideas of what you would like our radio station to do. We have to be active. We have to evangelize our faith. It's our duty to help spread our Catholic faith. So if you have any suggestions of your own as to how this can be done, by all means, share them with us.
This is Deacon Bob Connor of First Concern Pregnancy Resource Center, Clinton and Marlboro, and you are listening to WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. We continue now our quest for happiness. We have been talking about the importance of the Bible, and now we're going to talk about the importance of the interpretation of the sacred scriptures. Many of the passages in the Bible are difficult to understand, and some of them, as for example, the words of our Lord at the Last Supper, have received numerous interpretations by non-Catholics. How can one be sure of the correct meaning of the various passages? Who will explain them? Has everyone a right to read into them any meaning he wishes? We know it is easy for a person, in order to support his own opinion, to interpret a book or passage to mean what he would like it to mean. Because of this tendency in man, civil governments provide for an official interpretation of the true meaning of the law. In our country, the meaning of the Constitution is interpreted by the Supreme Court. The corresponding right in regard to the Bible has been given by Christ to the Catholic Church and to her alone. The Church is the only authorized guardian and the only infallible interpreter of the meaning of the sacred scriptures. The Holy Bible has always been treasured and guarded by the Church because it is the Word of God. It should not only be the most revered book in every Catholic home, but it should also be read by every member of the family. Protestants often say that Catholics are forbidden to read the Bible. This, of course, is not true. The Church not only allows us to read the Bible, but she encourages us to do so. Many of the popes have urged the reading of the sacred scriptures, and the Church grants an indulgence for the reading of the Bible. The second great source from which the Catholic Church draws her knowledge of what God has revealed, and therefore of what belongs to the deposit of faith, is called tradition. In its wide sense, tradition embraces the entire teaching of the Catholic Church, including the Bible. In fact, it has been said that tradition is the very life of the Church, animated and directed by the Holy Spirit. It is the living Church acting as a witness to Christ and the work of the Holy Ghost by her teaching, by her liturgy, and by her entire life. Here we shall refer to tradition in its narrow and more common meaning. In this sense, tradition means only those doctrines of faith or morals which were taught by Christ and originally handed down from the apostles, but not recorded in the inspired books of the Bible. Christ taught by word of mouth. The apostles, following the example of Christ, for the most part also taught orally. Seven apostles have left no records of their teachings. At the time of the death of St. John, the last apostle, the church possessed the sum total of the truths taught by Christ and his apostles, the whole of it by word of mouth and a portion of it in writing. The part written down, now known as the New Testament, though of priceless value, was small compared with the sum total of teachings. St. John states expressly that he has not recorded everything. Quote, there are, however, many other things that Jesus did, but if every one of these should be written down, not even the world itself, I think, could hold the books that would need to be written. John 21.25 This portion of truths handed down by word of mouth and not found in the sacred scriptures is called oral tradition, or simply tradition. What is the value of tradition? Scripture and tradition are of equal value as sources of revelation. Since both have God as their source, it could not be otherwise. 
They deserve equal esteem and reverence. Further, just as the Church is the only infallible interpreter of the Bible, so she alone can give us the true meaning of tradition. Tradition, however, antedates Holy Scripture, and it tells us many truths which are not recorded in the Bible. For instance, it is from the oral teaching of the Church that we have learned which books belong to the Bible. Tradition also informs us of the change from Saturday to Sunday in the observance of the Lord's Day. It is from tradition that we also know the necessity of infant baptism. Furthermore, tradition frequently explains more clearly and definitely some of the doctrines hidden in the sacred scriptures, for example, the Immaculate Conception. What are the records of tradition? The truths originally handed down by the apostles by word of mouth were gradually recorded so that by the close of the 4th century, tradition was for the most part enshrined in the written form. These written records of tradition can be found in such sources as the decrees of popes and councils, liturgical books, for example, the breviary and the missal, inscriptions on tombs and monuments, which illustrate what the early church taught, especially in regard to the Holy Eucharist, in regard to the departed souls, prayers for the dead, and the veneration of images and relics, the acts of the martyrs, which give accounts of the trials of the Christians and the truths which they professed and died for, the writings of the fathers and doctors of the church, the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, which dates back to apostolic times and which is the basis or foundation of the other creeds, which in reality are only explanations of this first creed. The Apostles' Creed is used in the rite of baptism, in the breviary, and in private prayer. The Nicene Creed, used at Mass, and the Athanasian Creed are also wonderful examples of the many records written down in tradition but not found in the Bible. From the Housetops Radio is produced by the Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary of St. Benedict Center, Still River, Massachusetts. Please join us in attaining our goals by praying for this apostolate and spreading the word about From the Housetops Radio. For more information about the Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, visit www.stbenedict.com. That's S-A-I-N-T Benedict.com, all one word. The Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary have published two excellent pamphlets for basic Catholic apologetics, The One True Church and The Church or the Bible, Mission Sermons by Father Arnold Damon. Father Damon was born in the province of North Brabant, Holland, in 1815. He was admitted to the Society of Jesus in 1837 and was one of the band of young novices brought over to this country by Father de Smet, renowned Jesuit missionary to the American Indians. In his illustrious career, which spanned some 50 years of apostolic work before his death on January 1, 1890, Father Damon and his companions conducted missions in nearly every principal city of the United States. He is said to have been more widely known in this country, and at one time to have exercised personally a greater influence than any bishop or priest in the Catholic Church. For by his majestic presence and force of eloquence, Father Damon as a missionary rose to a success that surpassed anything ever before or since known in America. The fiery apostolic zeal of this beloved priest can only scarcely be measured by the 12,000 conversions to Catholicism for which he was responsible, often receiving as many as 60 or 70 souls into the church in one day.
It must be noted, too, that amidst all of this remarkable apostolic labor, he managed to found the first Jesuit parish in Chicago and the first college, which later became Loyola University. The One True Church explains clearly and charitably that the only church established by Jesus Christ is the Catholic Church. In the Church or the Bible, Father Damon proves without any doubt that the Bible cannot be the sole rule of faith, which is claimed by Protestantism. For your free copy of The One True Church and The Church or the Bible, contact us at info at saintbenedict.com, S-A-I-N-T-B-E-N-E-D-I-C-T dot com, or write to us at St. Benedict Center, P.O. Box 1000, Still River, Massachusetts, 01467. From the Housetops is a Catholic periodical dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Its purpose is to proclaim the faith clearly and without compromise. Each issue of From the Housetops offers the priceless truth and wisdom of the Catholic faith through inspirational lives of the saints and timeless treasures of Catholic doctrine. To get subscription information, back issues, and a free copy, go to saintbenedict.com, S-A-I-N-T, benedict.com, and look for From the Housetops. Let us admire Jesus Christ causing the light of faith to shine in the souls of the Magi, at the same time that he caused the miraculous star to shine before their eyes. And let us resolve to often thank God for the gift of faith. The just man liveth by faith, St. Paul wrote to the Romans. Let us admire the deep faith of the Magi, which made them resolve to leave their country, and led by the miraculous star, come to Bethlehem, and there recognize the great God of heaven in the form of a little child, laid upon straw in a stable. The value of faith is beyond human comprehension. It is the principle of all justification, all merit and greatness. Without faith, sin cannot be forgiven. All good works are devoid of merit, and humanity without greatness. By it we recover innocence. Our actions are raised into the supernatural order, and gain for us immense glory. By faith we become children of God, members of Jesus Christ, heirs of the kingdom of heaven and temples of the Holy Spirit. It is faith that enlightens us. It reveals to us the secrets of heaven, teaches us what is most necessary for us to know. God, his nature and infinite perfections, man and his origin and his eternal destiny and the means of attaining it. Faith reveals the importance of salvation, the emptiness of pleasures and the futility of self-love and indulgence. How sad it would have been if the Magi had ignored the star that beckoned them to follow, had they refused the grace of conversion and remained in the darkness of paganism. But Saints Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar responded to the interior light of grace. Consoled, encouraged, and fortified, they died martyrs for the faith, martyrs for the infant king in whom they believed. From the House Stops is produced by the slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Still River, Massachusetts.